Thank you so much. People, take your Bibles. Colossians chapter 4. As we talk about habits that make a difference, talk about good habits. We all got habits. Some of us got some bad habits. But there are habits that really make a difference and, and do some incredible things for here and for hereafter. And so Paul's going to talk about those in his final instruction in this amazing little book of, uh, to the people at Colossians. And it's uh, just uh, two things because here's what I believe about these habits. There are habits that can empower your life beyond your imagination, and there are also habits that can impact others more than you ever imagined. And in so doing, they need to be a part of our life. Now, habits are things you do without even thinking about them. They're just habits. They they become a part of your lifestyle. Uh, They are like uh, just simply going through life, just doing breathing. It just is what you do because it becomes a part of your nature, your behavior pattern, the priorities of your life. So habits, we form them. And Paul is challenging these people to form two habits. I want to talk to you about them today as we look together, beginning in verse 2 of chapter 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. He's asked for three things there that are very specific. And then go further. But but it says also be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Not the way you act in front of outsiders or unbelievers, but how you interact with them in conversation and doing life with them. Okay? All right, toward others, how you respond to them, how you talk to them. That's what he's saying, all right? Uh, Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer every one. Wow. Two simple things he's going to close out this amazing book with. He said, I want you to do these two things. I want these to become the habits of your life that make a difference. First of all, there is the devotion to prayer. Someone should be devoted to prayer. Devoted to pray to God. Now, devotion is simply, at some point, something is a priority in our life. It has our commitment. It has our, uh, we are committed to it with our time and our energy uh, and our resources. That's called devotion. I am devoted to my wife. Therefore, I will give her my time. I will give her my resources. I will give her a first place in, in, in the priorities of life and so forth and so on. Because that's what devotion is. I am devoted to her. And how I treat her reflects that devotion. In the spiritual realm and in the invisible realm, we're devoted to God. And while we are saying, I am giving you first place in my life and I'm giving you uh, the... Uh, the priority of my life, I'm going to give you my time, my talents, my resources. Paul says that kind of devotion shows up, and it should be also a part of how we pray. Faithfully communicating with God, living in a spirit of fellowship, ready to respond. There's three parts of this I want you to get. First of all, in this devotion to prayer, there needs to be the greatest habit, adoration. The greatest habit in your prayer life is adoration. 
And it's sometimes we, we, we don't spend enough time there because we're trying to get to the stuff we want to ask for. And so basically, he's saying, slow down. He said, I want, because you're going to be devoted to God, the purpose of being devoted to someone that's great, awesome, and wonderful. Therefore, tell him he's great, awesome, and wonderful. You would not be devoted to someone who wasn't. You're devoted to someone who is incredible. And God is incredible. And so he's saying, devote yourself to prayer to God. So when you're talking to him, first of all, tell him how great he is. Man, sing a song to him. Uh, Quote scripture that, that magnifies his glory and his greatness, but communicate and adore him for who he is. If you want to know how that works, go to the book of Psalms, and David had that down very well. David had bad days in life. He had times he wanted to yeah, just uh, cry. There's times he wanted to just uh, basically have God kill all his enemies. There's times he was discouraged and even depressed, but he always comes through in an amazing way to say, but God, you're great. Life stinks today, but you're great. Life is unfair today, but you are awesome. And life has not been what I'd planned today, but you are always faithful. You see, he knows how to, he said, and, I, and, he, and he poured his heart out to God. He would be honest with God. I love it. He wasn't pretending with God. I love what Eric's saying. He wasn't pretending that things were okay someday. Some days they were awful. And he's saying, God, I'm telling you, my day's bad, but you're still an awesome God. We have got to understand that's a great habit we need to develop in our prayer life and say, God, I want to take a moment and tell you how great you are. All of us enjoy moments where people acknowledge things we do well. We all enjoy that. My wife wants to hear that she looks good because she does or that she's cooked a great meal or just acknowledge things that people do. It's encouraging. It also is affirming and acknowledges something that they have done worthwhile. We like that, and yet somehow we don't think we need to do that with God. Now, God doesn't need our affirmation. He's going to be God with or without our affirmation. But what he, he, it delights his heart that we acknowledge his greatness, that we dwell on his greatness, if you will, and think about his greatness. We adore him. And we need to tell him that we adore him. Too often, we're kind of like the guy, um, they've been married 25 years, and, and they kind of had one of those moments in marriage It wasn't, the, the spark wasn't there, and the wife was frustrated. She said, I just think we need to go talk to the pastor. And she said, oh, I don't want to go talk to the pastor. Well, we're going to go talk to the pastor anyway. You know, guys know how that is. And so they're talking to the pastor, and, he, and the pastor's trying to figure out what's wrong and what the problem is. And she said, I just don't feel like he loves me. And she said, okay, well, why is that? He never tells me he loves me. Okay, he looked at the husband and said, well, what do you have to say? He said, when I married her 25 years ago, I told her I loved her. And when I change my mind, I'll tell her. We're kind of that way with God. He would like to hear every once in a while that we love him. That he's great. He wants to hear that. Just like you want to hear that from your children when you do something and they tell you you're great. You know what it does for you? Man, it blesses your soul. It blesses the heart of God that you tell him he's great, that you tell him you love him. We all know what it's like. 
The second thing is a grateful habit. There's the greatest habit, which is adoration, the grateful habit. Look what he says. Devote yourselves to prayer because of who God is. He's great. Being watchful and thankful. The grateful habit in prayer is thanksgiving. Be grateful. Again, sometimes we're we're in such a rush to get to the things we want that we don't thank God for the things we have. And so he's saying, be thankful, guys. In all that we're going through, be thankful. Now, he's talking in a tough time when it's hard to be a Christian. And a lot of persecution, a lot of betrayal, a lot of things are happening that are unkind and unfair. He says, but I want you to be thankful. It's easy to complain because there is a lot to complain about on some days. But the, the grateful habit is saying, today, Lord, each day I want to be thankful for something. So if you're devoted in your prayer life, it means you're going to talk to God and you're going to adore God. Also thank him for what he's doing in your life. He may doing it, be doing it in great ways. He may be doing it through the midst of a trouble or trial in your life. But he's doing something in your life always. Be thankful. Be thankful. You say, well, I don't know what I've got. Life's so hard, I don't know what I've got to be thankful for. How about for the atonement of Christ for your salvation? How about just thanking him for the cross? You could do that every day. Never get tired of doing that. And you never, I just, Lord, I want to thank you for the cross. You died for me. I, you, you, you paid for my sin. I want to thank you for that again and again and again. You should never get beyond thanking him for that. Because that's the beginning point of him saving you. He died for your sin, paid for your sin. And if you by faith have received that, he becomes your Savior and Lord. And he puts a new heart in you, prepares you for a place called heaven. And you thank him for the cross because the cross is what made the difference, that respect. He died on the cross to pay for our sins, to substitute, take our place for the death we deserve. And so he's saying, I, be thankful that you're saved, man, because not everybody's saved. Be thankful that uh, God assists you with his power and his knowledge from day to day. He's there for you. Be thankful that you have an audience with God. He's there to say, come and talk to me anytime you want, as long as you want, about anything you want. Come talk to me. I want to spend time with you. Be thankful that you can tell God anything. You can tell him when you're hurt. You say, well, I don't tell God when things are bad, when I'm hurting. Why not? He already knows. Why don't you just tell him? It might do you a world of good to unload your wagon on God. And say, Lord, I got to tell you how I feel today. I feel like I've been betrayed. Nobody likes me and everybody hates me. So I can handle that. It's not a hard thing for him. David felt that way sometimes. I mean, David got so honest in his prayers. It's kind of amazing. Uh, and, And yet we tend to think I can't do that with God because he'll think I'm not spiritual. First of all, God never thinks anything about you. He knows everything about you. All right, so let's get over this. Well, I don't want him to find out that I'm not really spiritual sometimes. He already knows that. God will think less of me. No, God already knows you. He knows everything he's know about you. That ought to scare some of you. Woo, he knows that. Yeah, he does. You're thankful that with all he knows about you, he still loves you and me. Isn't that incredible? 
All right, so Paul says you got to be thankful, grateful habit. The third is the grandest habit in, in, in devotional prayer. And, and, and your great habit, adoration, the grateful habit, thanksgiving, but the greatest habit is intercession. Here, look what he says here. Look at this. This is awesome. And pray. He said, now, man, adore God and, and be thankful, but now pray for us too. A part of your devotion to prayer should be praying for others. Not just for what you want. It's okay to ask for things you want and need. He tells us to do that. But if that's the sum of your prayer life, it's a shallow prayer life. You're missing the best part of prayer. He says, I want you to pray for me. His final word to the people at Colossians, pray for me. Pray for me from this amazing book. Pray for me that I may do what? Now, here's the thing about intercession. Intercession needs to be specific. We get in these habits of, well, Lord, just bless everybody. Well, what good is that? You don't even know what you prayed for. Oh, God, just bless everybody. Or you may say, and I thank you. Hey, thank God it's better than nothing. But God, just bless the pastor. Thank you. Pray for that. I need it all the time. But we need to add some stuff to that. Or, Lord, be with my spouse today. Just take care of them today. Well, what does that mean? Really? Truth is, we're just trying to cover the bases as quick as we can because we want to pray. I, I get that, but that doesn't mean it's effective. And it's not a habit you need to develop. If you matter of fact, if you have that habit, you need to break it and begin to do something specific. Intercession requires being specific. Paul said, when you pray for me, don't say, well, God bless Paul. Lord, take care of Paul. He's out there preaching the gospel. Prayed for Paul today. But what did you pray for Paul about? Don't know. He wasn't going to let him have that. He said, when you pray for me, you pray for three things. Watch this. That God may open a door for our message. See, that's specific. Now he said, pray for something that's going to happen. All right? So, second thing, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Can I tell you something kind of neat? He has not asked them to pray that he get out of the chains. Isn't that pretty incredible? He has asked them to pray that while he's in chains, he's sharing the gospel. Just a little side note there. Third thing, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, Paul's a he's a brilliant man. He's a theologian. He is great, educated, got all kind of degrees. The man is awesome. But he's saying, you know, I need to make sure that stuff don't get in the way to sharing the gospel clearly and simply as I should. We don't need to make the gospel complicated. We don't need to muddy the water. Now, Paul is saying, I want you to be specific when you pray for me. Now, if you're a prayer partner of our faith teams, this is how you pray for us all semester. Right here. Three things. Just go to Colossians 4 and start reading and say, Lord, I'm going to pray for this. You read that scripture over your people you're praying for. And you will have done amazing things in praying for your faith team and your prayer partners. Um, We've got to be specific. When I go to a restaurant... I will say to my server, I want a Diet Coke with cherry syrup, light ice. 
I want a salad with, with blackened, I did say salad. Some of you are going, why? Salad with blackened chicken, no cucumbers, no tomatoes, thousand dollars dressing. I've just told her specifically what, what, what I want. We do that with anything in life because it's important that we, we communicate what's important to us. Now, we need to do that with God. You say, well, God already knows. You already told me, Pastor, he knows everything about me. He does. But he wants you to communicate specifically so he can respond to you specifically. So you can see his hand obviously working in your life, responding to your prayer life. And you can see his grace being operative in your life. And he may put, as you pray specifically, he may give you a verse that will, you need to share with someone you're praying for. That wouldn't happen if you weren't specific. He may give you a word of encouragement to pass on to someone because you're praying specifically. He, 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 see, he's going to begin to interact with you. If you just say, well, God bless everybody, he ain't got time. You, you ain't give him time to react to you. You've moved on. He's saying, Paul's saying, hey, do this, guys. Make this a habit in your everyday life. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of his willingness. Quote from Richard Trench, outstanding. We're not trying to twist God's arm. We're just trying to have a, communi- have, have a conversation with the creator of the universe and enjoy who he is. He's great and awesome. There's none like him in all the earth. And then the second thing I want you to get, the second habit The first one will empower your life. The second one will impact others around your life. And here we go. He says, now, once you've done all this, man, you've really got, you're you're devoted in prayer. You're praying with adoration and thanksgiving and and, and specific intercession. Now, be wise, verse 5. Be wise. Be wise. Don't be foolish. Don't be stupid. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Outsiders are unbelievers. Most of the people in when our in our uh, area, many of them are going to be outsiders. They're on the outside looking in. They don't have. They've not experienced grace, and uh, they're trying to find a way. Now, you're going to find there's all kinds of people out there. So he's saying there's people that, that, that want to uh, uh, hear what you've got to say, and some don't. He said, but be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. In other words, how you converse with them and what you say to them. All right? Make the most of every opportunity. The second thing, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always, always, always of grace. Wow. Always. When you're talking to unbelievers, when you're talking to believers, you should be that way too, but when you're talking to unbelievers, you need to be gracious in your speech. Be kind. You see, we need to communicate that, that we're a beggar that's telling another beggar where to find bread. Guys, I'm not better than anybody else because I'm a believer. I'm better off than those who aren't. I'm not better. I'm never, I can't be better. 
I'm different. Not because of what I've done, because of what Christ has done. So I can't even take credit for that. I'm not better than anybody, neither are you. Sometimes I think, well, we're Baptists, and Baptists, we're just better than everybody else. No, we're not. Matter of fact, sometime, I'm not even going to finish that. Look, we, we got to be gracious when we talk to people that don't know Jesus. Uh, and you say, well, I don't like what they do. Well, God doesn't either, but he's trying to save them, man. Hey, and you're sitting there, you're busting their chops on stuff. They're going, hey, I, they need to be, be taught with grace. They don't need your arrogance. They need your grace. Look, and it goes on. Man, he, he didn't finish yet. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. There are people that are going to cross your path that want to argue. Don't argue. Don't argue with people. Now, there was a time I used to love to argue. I did when I was young. And, you know, you sit around seminary and you learn all these things. You get in the library and you discuss all the stuff that we discuss. And you argue with one another. And, and you know, you do all that kind of stuff. And guys, I, I don't want to win arguments. Because you can win an argument and lose your opportunity. I'm not trying. I don't want people, I'm not trying to convince people what all I know. <laughs> I think that much anyway. What I want them to know is Jesus. I want them to find him. So I'm trying to communicate him in the light of this. And, and, and so I'm not trying to convince them of all the theological arguments of all time. I can't answer all their questions, but I can tell them about Jesus. Talking to a man the other day, and we were talking about a need for Christ, and he understands that, and he said, uh, I got to tell you, he said, I, I just see peace in you. You have what I don't have. I've been very careful to be very gracious. I'm not judging this guy. But unbelievers act like unbelievers. They, they don't need to act like believers because I'm in the room. They act like unbelievers. And I'm gracious, and I'm not condescending, and I'm not, I just want to say, let me tell you what you need. And it's important that you have this grace about how you, you choose your words wisely. You know what, you say, how do you, how do you choose your words wisely? Well, let me give you an illustration. When your wife is trying on a dress, and she says to you, does this make me look fat? Choose your words wisely. I guarantee you, kind of think about that before you answer it. We got to use grace and we season our words with salt. Salt's what makes things tasteful, enjoyable. I like a little salt on my food. I don't like a baked potato without salt, it doesn't taste right. I saw. When we talk to people, he says, be wise. Don't be foolish. Don't, don't shoot your mouth off without thinking. Make the most of your opportunity because opportunities may come today and never see the opportunity again with that person. So today I want to make sure I have touched them with grace and salt in what I've said. That they may want to know Jesus. Because I can do the other stuff. And they will never want to hear anything else I've got to say. And that would be a tragedy. Can't do that. 
You can't do that. Had a couple in my second church, and and they uh they uh the the, the wife got saved, and she's fired up. Her husband wasn't saved, and he was kind of hard to reach, you know. And so I told her, I said, it's real important. Do not go preach to him. Do not preach to him. Whatever you do, do not preach to him. Don't get on him. Don't fuss at him. If you don't want to come to church, don't, don't threaten him. You know, just, just love him and be kind and respond to him, meet his needs, and just love him. Let Jesus shine through. You're not the preacher in the family. God didn't call you for that. First, uh, in their first conversation, here's what she said to him, because he would not go to church with her. Why don't you go to church? I'm not going to go to church today. I don't want to go to church. Don't like church? Don't want to go to church. And her words were, well, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> and you just go to hell. You go to hell. That's all right. If you want to go, you just go to hell. She came up and said, I think I overdid it. I said, oh, my. <laughs> overdid it. I'll tell you the difference. Same time, two wives were saved. I told both of them the same thing. Don't preach at your husband. Don't bust him up and holler at him and fuss at him and just love him. Two women saved the same day. One went out and did what I told them. Within three months, her husband was saved. The other one, the one I just shared about, it took two years. Choose your words wisely. You say, well, there's things I want them to know. Holy Spirit takes care of that. I will tell you something God reminds me of about every month, okay? Because I, I have a bad memory. And I do this because I share this story. You've heard this story because it's one, of my, it's, one, it's one of those trigger points in my life that God reminds me of all the time when I talk to people. Mark Gray sitting back there. Mark's my buddy, longtime buddy. I've known him for a long time, and, and we've talked, and I've shared our, our, our history together. But the one thing God reminds me of when people talk to me, what they say to me, uh, we were playing golf in Panama City, and, and, uh, and, and uh, we're down on par five at Signal Hill Golf Course, and we're playing pretty competitively. And, and uh, for some reason, we're talking, and we're not really talking church. We're not talking religion. But somehow something came up, and Mark says to me, I believe good people go to heaven. And at that point, I don't want to argue with him because he's my friend, first of all. But I, yeah, I just want to argue because we're on a golf course. It's not where you argue. you got clubs and stuff. Things can get out of hand. <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to argue. But, but here's what I know. I can't let that pass. So I'm saying, Lord, what do I say? So I said, Mark, hey, I just want to tell you, man, good people, you don't go to heaven because you're good. You go to heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross. What I said, right? His interpretation was this. That's the day the pastor told me I was going to go to hell. I didn't say that. But the Holy Spirit did. Big difference. See, I used grace. I, I wasn't, you know, I could have said, well, buddy, you keep thinking that, you're going to bust hell wide open. I could have said that. And I'd have been, it'd have been truth. It'd have been truth. He probably wouldn't play golf me ever again. You say, because he think, man, I, you know, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work, guys. And if we just sit there and be gracious and, and offer something that's tasteful, 
Holy Spirit makes it really applicable to the heart. He drives it home. I just need to be gracious. Paul said, this is what I want you to do because it makes a difference. I hope that you'll be challenged by that today.